Have you ever noticed that the lower jaw is not protected in sports? Did you know that 10,800 concussions will happen today? This has been an upward trend for the past 50 years. I'm Dr. Michael Hutchison, a practicing neuromuscular dentist. When my son wanted to participate in football and rugby, I was afraid he was going to get a concussion. That fear led me to finding the missing link to reducing concussions. The fact is, the only part of the skull that is not protected in sports is the lower jaw. If you want to drastically reduce concussions, there are three basic jaw positions that affect concussions and two of them are not good. The correct one is called physiologic jaw position. It will dissipate the force away from the brain. Knowing that, I designed an appliance that put my son's jaw in the right place and as a result, he was concussion-free from fifth grade all the way to senior year. This jaw position takes those 10,800 concussions today down to 28. It's the key to concussion protection. As a parent, this is what you need to know. It's extremely important that the device you are using is on the lower jaw. Thickness of the device is important. Most importantly, it must position and hold you in your own unique personal physiologic jaw position. So if your child goes out on the field with the correct jaw position, your son or daughter will not one of those 10,800 concussions today. Get yours today at powerplusmouthguard.com. Use the promo code POWERUP2023 for 10% off. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by your host, Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. You can follow me on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on multiple music streaming providers such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Row One. Row One is an online vintage sports memorabilia gallery and shop. They have over 5,200 items to choose from. Plus, if you sign up today, you'll get 15% off your purchase just by using the promo code SHN15. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, subscribe to the show at patreon.com backslash pigskintales. Once there, you can sign up to become a patron. There are five tiers to choose from. Patreon helps me to buy newer equipment to make the podcast even better. This podcast is also part of the Sports History Network. There you will find 21 other sports history podcasts to browse. If you really love sports, check us out at sportshistorynetwork.com. As a conversation starter, you can email me questions or leave feedback of the show at pigskintailspodcast at gmail.com. I'll also send you the online article of the best quarterbacks in each NFL franchise. In the email, just say, send me the link. The soundtrack is provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. Once again, thanks for listening to the Big Skin Tales podcast. Last time on the Pig Skin Tales podcast, Red single-handedly dominated Penn in a 24-2 matchup. Cash and Carry Pyle, or as most people call him, CC, had just made a secret handshake deal with Red Grange. The details of the deal were unknown to most people in the public, including his coach at Illinois, 
but by the end of Red's senior season, he was about to blow the lid off the deal and make an announcement a lot of people would have a strong opinion about. This time on the Pigskin Tales podcast, the details on that handshake deal come into focus and almost everyone in the sports world goes crazy. In the fall of 1925, Red's senior season at Illinois, Red had to begin thinking of what to do after college. The money he earned bussing and waiting tables as well as delivering ice in Wheaton was great, but he felt he needed a little bit more to get by. Enter C.C. Pyle. If you remember from my last episode, C.C. was a guy who loved people, business, and sports. He was the Barnum and Bailey of sports promotion in the Chicago area in the 1920s. Enter George Hallis. He was the owner, general manager, and head coach for the Chicago Bears. Hallis was also an alumnus of the University of Illinois. Hallis and Pyle had a great business relationship. When it came to Pyle and Grange making a deal to play for the Chicago Bears, it was Hallis and Pyle who actually hammered out the details before Pyle and Grange got together. Those details would be held secret until Red decided it was time to let the cat out of the bag, as the old saying goes. Here is Gary Andrew Poole. They kept it secret because they didn't want to ruin uh, Grange's eligibility. Grange didn't want to embarrass the University of Illinois. He didn't want to lose the respect of Bob Zupke. A kid that he considered his son was going to join professional football, which he considered joining a criminal syndicate. In 2002, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, also known as the NCAA, published the hardcover book titled NCAA Football's Finest. It was researched and compiled by the NCAA Statistics Service, made up of James M. Van Valkenburg, Steve Boda Jr., and Richard M. Campbell. For Grange, they noted that for the three seasons he played at Illinois, his win-loss tie record was 19-4-1. He had a total of 2,071 rushing yards on 388 attempts. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry and scored 34 rushing touchdowns. In my opinion, those numbers certainly make him a unanimous decision for All-American three seasons in a row. Watching the old YouTube clips show that he was a shifty, fast, and tough to tackle back. It almost seemed like it wasn't fair for how fast and how big he was at the time. With him scoring on almost every play, it's no wonder why he became the most popular man in the United States at that time. It was in October of 1925 that Red was on the cover of Time magazine. He was also so popular that he was even on a box of Wheaties. 
On October 31, 1925, Grange and the Fighting Illini played a major game at Pennsylvania. This was a game that Zubke needed Grange to dominate because of a slow start to the season. It was also a game that many people wanted to see because Grange was from Forksville, Pennsylvania. Grange responded well by almost single-handedly beating the Quakers 24-2 in front of 65,000 screaming and cheering fans. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, dated for November 1, 1925, sports writer Gordon McKay wrote that Grange ran the ball 32 times for 320 yards. His performance was majestic. A lot of sports writers didn't know how to write a column because they were in such awe of what they had just watched. In a hypothetical, I envisioned ESPN's college football game day arriving at Franklin Field early in the morning for what should be a really good game between the two teams. I envisioned that the broadcast is hosted by Reese Davis, accompanied by Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, and Desmond Howard. The show starts at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and they begin to talk about the players and the teams. It's obvious they would be talking about Red Grange and the Fighting Illini, but what they would also be discussing is how good the Penn Quakers are. They have been dominant all season long and are coming in undefeated. They would discuss that it's going to be a difficult matchup for Grange because one man cannot take over an entire game. I envisioned that they would discuss how Illinois had started slow with a record of 1-3. By the end of the broadcast, Lee Corso would have his big red eye in front of his face because he would have a strong feeling that Red Grange in Illinois would take down the dominant undefeated Penn Quakers. Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard would be holding up posters of red and white signifying their confidence in Penn. Lastly, I envisioned the host, Reese Davis, to predict that Grange and the Fighting Illini, even though they are 1-3 and three in the record books, having a big day and defeating the Quakers 24-12 with Grange doing all the scoring. Of course, in the end, it didn't happen anything like that at all. Grange did take over the game, and the score was 24-2, but it wasn't anywhere what I was envisioning in my head. I'm going to pause the story here and talk about Row One, who is sponsoring the Pigskin Tales podcast as well as the Sports History Network. At the Sports History Network, we're all about the sports yesteryear, and so we're pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings sports history to life. The Row 1 Gallery features over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, and advertisements in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. 
Any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. It's your choice! In the Row 1 shop, you can pick from thousands of unique items that feature retro and historical backgrounds dating back to 1876. We have everything from clothing to phone cases to mugs, even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com backslash row one for access to the full row one catalog. When you buy from the gallery today, you can instantly save 15% on your purchase. All you have to do is enter the code SHN15 and your discount will be applied. That's SHN15. That's it. Simple. Save 15% off all your prints in the Row 1 Gallery. Just go to sportshistorynetwork.com backslash row1. That's sportshistorynetwork.com backslash row1. SportsHistoryNetwork.com And don't forget to check out all the podcasts on the Sports History Network. Three weeks after Grange and the University of Illinois shocked the nation in beating Penn, the date was November 21, 1925. The game between Illinois and Ohio State ended up becoming Red's final game in college. According to Ray Stein, the sports editor for the Columbus Dispatch, whom wrote the online article, On this date in Ohio State football, November 21, 1925, in which he posted it November 21, 2019, he summarizes Grange's final college football game. When Ohio Stadium was christened as a 66,210-seat structure in 1922, it was known as the house that Harley built. A nod to the immense popularity enjoyed by Ohio State All-America halfback Chick Harley. Three years after its opening, however, the stadium bulged at the seams to witness an even bigger star. Illinois halfback Harold Red Grange play his final college football game. Even though neither Illinois nor OSU were factors in the 1925 Big Ten race, the paid attendance for the game was 84,295. At that time, it was the largest crowd ever to see a sporting event. Grange did not disappoint. Even though the Buckeyes did the nigh impossible by keeping him out of the end zone on a dry field in perfect conditions. Still, he led all players with 102 yards rushing on 20 attempts, added 48 yards in punting kickoff returns, and threw a touchdown pass to Charlie Cassell to give the Illini a 14-2 lead in the second quarter. The turning point was, with Grange sitting out much of the third quarter, Ohio State mounted a comeback, closing to 14-9 late in the quarter when Harold Windy Wendler threw a 22-yard scoring pass to Elmer Merck, who eluded two defenders near the goal line. 
OSU had four more possessions in the fourth quarter, but two ended with punts and the final two with interceptions by Grange. The first he returned 41 yards, the second was the game's final play. Within minutes after finishing the game, Grange took a seat in the southwest tower of Ohio Stadium and told reporters of his plans to leave school and begin a barnstorming tour as a member of George Hallis's Chicago Bears. Here's George Hallis talking about the deal that was made between C.C. Pyle and Red Grange. C.C. Pyle, Cash and Carry Pyle, he was a... He was a movie magnet from Champagne. He owned a couple of movies down there. A bit of a magnet. Yes, in those days. But he was great to negotiate with. We enjoyed it. And we stayed up all night and finally arrived at the necessary uh, figure. Because whereas he got, whereas Red Grange got a percentage of the gate, which was perfect. Can you tell us a little more of the details of that arrangement? Uh, percentage of the gate, that was the main thing, which was all right, because Red ended up with, a, with a, I think it was 40 to 50 percent of the gate in view of the fact that he was attracting, attra he was a great attraction, mm -hmm. uh, because every park we played in, uh, it was filled to capacity. This is George Hallis's grandson talking about the deal between Hallis, Grange, and Pyle. What a scary moment that must have been for my grandfather to bet that heavily on the future of professional football and to bet that heavily on Red Grange. Ira Morton, a Red Grange historian, says that Bob Zubke tried to talk Red Grange out of signing with the Bears. Zubke, his coach, tried to talk him out of it. He said, if you're thinking of turning pro, right, it's the worst thing you can do. It'll ruin your image. Fred looked at him and he said, uh, you coach for money. Why would it be wrong to play for money? When Zupke was interviewed after the Ohio State game, and he was asked about Red's big announcement for his opinion, he said, quote, Grange is his own business agent, so far as I'm concerned. I'm not his keeper. Whatever he does, I hope will meet with success. The resulting signing and barnstorming tour with the Bears was 19 games over 67 days, going coast to coast, and it was the biggest sports story of the time. This helped legitimize the foundering National Football League. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story will continue in the next episode. This story was written and produced by your host, Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. You can follow me on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on multiple music streaming providers such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Row One. 
Row 1 is an online vintage sports memorabilia gallery and shop. They have over 5,200 items to choose from. Plus, if you sign up today, you'll get 15% off your purchase just by using the promo code SHN15. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, subscribe to the show at patreon.com backslash pigskintales. Once there, you can sign up to become a patron. There are five tiers to choose from. Patreon helps me to buy newer equipment to make the podcast even better. This podcast is also part of the Sports History Network. There, you'll find 21 other sports history podcasts to browse. If you really love sports, check us out at sportshistorynetwork.com. As a conversation starter, you can email me questions or leave feedback of the show at pigskintailspodcast at gmail.com. I'll also send you the online article titled, The Best Quarterbacks in Each NFL Franchise. In the email, just say, send me the link. The soundtrack is provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. Sources of information were found on the web at YouTube, ncaa.org, author Ray Stein, books authored by Gary Andrew Poole and Chris Willis. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.